Welcome to Time Out for Better Coaching, a podcast that goes beyond the X's and O's to explore the hows of coaching, how we relate to players, create stronger communities, and build healthy programs. I'm pleased to welcome Coach Amy Manson to the Time Out for Better Coaching podcast. Amy is a program manager with the Positive Coaching Alliance and lives in Colorado. She's also been coaching track and field outside of Boulder for 20 years. Thanks for taking some time to join us today, Amy. Thanks for having me, Marty. It's great to talk to you. So, Amy, you've achieved some great things in your career as a track and field athlete. You, know, you ran professionally for Nike. You qualified for Olympic trials three times. You were an All-American at Indiana University. What I find so interesting about your story, though, is that as a high school student, by your own admission, you were a good but not great athlete. And you had every reason to walk away from the sport and every reason to believe that after high school you were done as an athlete that you've achieved so much is a real testimony to your work ethic and your dedication. But it's also a testament to some of your coaches. And I'm wondering if you can start by quickly walking our listeners through your journey from high school to where you're running for Nike. How, how does that transformation occur? And what role do your coaches play? Yeah, well, my coaches play a huge part in that. You know, I, I just, I wasn't one of those people with a ton of talent, but I feel I had, you know, I had a, a youth coach that was just as fun, light community program. And she was actually just a high school cross country athlete who took me under her wing. And she was a wonderful example and, you know, just cared about me and got excited for my accomplishments. So that was a great experience. And then the high school coach, actually, when I was in you know, I was that weird kid that just loved to run. I was a big daydreamer <laughs> and I always got in trouble for daydreaming in school. And I, and I found that, wow, I can just go be a distance runner, daydream all I want. No one yells at me. So I was that kid that just loved to go run. And the high school coach sort of came to know this about me and saw me at local races and in, in sixth grade said, hey, just come train. With, do you want to come train with my team? And then he asked, this is Joe Casey at Masconomet High School in Boxford, Massachusetts. And he's, he um, actually would let me run the races, but I would, I would veer off just before the finish line and he'd get my time. <laughs> um, he just knew that I was, you know, there aren't, I probably wouldn't have many kids that wanted to go for, you know, training and distance runs when I was a sixth, seventh, eighth grader, especially back, you know, in the early eighties. So he just became like a father to me. He was so incredible, wonderful. He was a basketball player and, you know, was asked to coach cross country, but he had this, this care for kids that was so meaningful to everyone who he coached. And uh, we all just, he was strict. He was definitely strict. He kept us in line. And if he heard anything about us, he'd make sure he let us know <laughs> we better get back in line. But he was also very funny and just very loving and caring. So when I went off to college, you know, I, I really wasn't any spectacular. I think my best mile in high school was about a 540 at sea level, which isn't going to do much for you in, at the college level. And I asked to walk on to a few different teams. And when I was looking into which college to go to, and they all said, no, I basically wasn't even fast enough to walk on. But Coach Bill at Indiana said that, that I could. So the, the reason I did want to continue is because, you know, the, this coach, these coaches had been such a big part of my life and they had connected so much positivity to what I was doing that I couldn't imagine not being a part of the sport. I mean, this, I love the sport, but part of the reason I love the sport so much was because of these coaches and these people who would enter my life through the sport. So 
I just really wanted to continue in college and just ask, hey, can I just run behind your runners? I just want to be there with a coach and a team at three o'clock in the afternoon like I already always had. Mm -hmm. And then I was just blessed to have another, I mean, just one after the other, fantastic coach who, again, who I look at as a, a father figure in my life who just cared about the whole person, you know, and he, he cared about the improvement. He got such great joy out of improvement. It doesn't, it didn't matter if I was one of his five Olympians who are currently on the team, or I was this kid who had a 540 mile from high school. It gave him joy to see a kid work hard and see that improvement. And, mm -hmm. and that I just fed off that he believed in me before I believed in myself. He told me things that I was going to do based on my improvement and um, the curve that he saw with my work ethic. And, and it was just amazing to have that, that sort of uh, confidence that someone that I trusted and cared about so much and respected as a coach believed in me that much. And just great things happened from there on out with Coach Bell as well. Great. With these powerful coaching figures in, in your life, they cover a lot of ground. You've mentioned the term father figure a couple of times. You've talked about the fact that they're, they're strict. They're hard on you. You've talked about the fact that they see things in you that you don't see in yourself and put goals or objectives they think you can reach. What's the purpose of a coach? That's a lot of water to carry. What's, what's the purpose, in your opinion, of a coach? Well, you know, coaches have all sorts of purposes. And, I, and that, so I guess I'd like it to narrow it down to what I feel a coach's purpose should be, what I would hope. A coach's purpose would be because there are a lot of coaches their purpose is to win and to have their athletes make them look good and that, that should not be the purpose <laughs> the purpose you're really going to be effective and and make a difference with what you do is your purpose is to one to build kids up to 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 bring them to a better place than they were before they came to you i look at it like as a coach myself that these kids are on this assembly line of life and you may have them for you know six months or you may have them for six years but when they come by me on that assembly line I feel like the purpose of a coach should be that if I see some things that are not serving that kid well then I'm going to try to take those parts off as they come by me on the assembly line and I'm going to try to switch it out with something that is going to serve them well in life and that could be anything from skills and they're actually you know things that that contribute to their performance or it could be teaching a kid to be on time and to be responsible it could be um, an attitude thing um, and so that's what i feel a coach's purpose should be is to bring a kid in and, and set them out after you're done with them with in a better place to to handle life and and to, to be able to find success so that, that's an interesting way to think about it because, I, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you work mostly with younger people right now in Colorado. Is that right? I do. So I, for 20 years, I've been directing a youth program that starts at age five and goes up to age 14. Okay. So, so you're dealing with younger, with younger kids. When they get to high school, of course, things change a little bit and the pressures on the coach go up a fair bit. It's not as bad as college uh, for the most part, but, but nonetheless, there is pressure to win. There's pressure to produce on the field or fans get happy, uh, boosters get unhappy. Right. And, uh, you know, they're, they're looking for work. So the pressures change a little bit. But again, they're not as intense as in college. What do you think high school coaches should be doing? What are the things that you would like to sort of see the next step on that assembly line from youth to high school that they should be doing? Is, does it change or is it still the same mindset of finding the thing that needs to be adjusted and, and, and work on that? 
Well, I do feel like that's what applies to my high school and my college coaches. They were those, I saw them finding different things in different people that needed to be corrected or improved. And, and of course, performance is a part of that. You know, it's also how can I find the things that I can help them to improve in that are going to create better performance. But, you know, what we know from a lot of, if, if you all the positive coaching lines and all the research, what we know is when these kids know that a coach cares about the whole person, and, I, and I'm talking about kids in high school and in college as well, mm-hmm. when you feel like someone cares about not just your performance, or they care about more of you, then you're going to get more back from that kid. So if you think about a kid in high school or college, and you think about all the ups and downs that sports brings, if they're in an environment where they feel like where there's a bigger picture and the whole of them is cared about and they've been uh, coaches, maybe been working on them and caring about their attitude or their ability to bounce back from failure or mistakes, you know, those are the things that are going to help the performance. And in the end, um, create more, more success in winning uh, performance wise. Um, It's going to be a lot more cut and dry at the care if the coach just cares about performance and winning to where the kid might just shut down when they have a failure or mistake or a big heartbreak in sports versus when they know there's a bigger picture and their coach has shown that the kid is more likely to persevere through that roller coaster that that sports provides. So I'm so curious, you know, you talk about the roller coaster side, what detracts from a positive coach-athlete relationship? And I wonder if you would extend that too and talk about the parent-athlete relationship experience, because those are, especially at the high school level, those are sometimes two conflicting pieces. Yeah, sure. Well, I think, um, you know, on both sides, whether it's parents or coaches, the poison that can enter is ego and power when it becomes about the parent or when it becomes about the coach. I mean, in every negative situation I've seen, you know, as, a, as someone who had such beautiful, wonderful experiences with my high school and college coach, I just always thought, oh, well, every high school coach is the most angelic, wonderful person in the world. But I, I came to find that, wow, you know, my husband and I do pole vault camps in our home where we've had kids for 15 years live with us over the summers and, and tell us these stories. And, and then just, you know, being in touch with kids through my program as they went on. And boy, there's a lot of toxic, toxic high school coaches out there. And when you hear the specific stories, it all comes down to the coach's ego and then it's all about the coach and they've lost sight that I'm here to build up kids and help them to find success. And then when it comes to the parent, it's usually that the parent, um, it's sort of about them and what they expect and what they want and they're disappointed and they're angry when the kid doesn't live up to their expectations. You know, the only time I feel like a, a a coach or a a parent should be angry at a kid after say a sporting event is if they saw horrible sportsmanship. (laughs) You know, I find a lot of um, when it is about the coach or when it is about the parent, um, they'll even see something like if the kid doesn't reach their expectations, they'll tag that on. You didn't try hard enough or you didn't give enough effort. And it's really that I'm just so disappointed. You you didn't make me look good here with this and I'm just going to put this on you. So really, yeah, I think that's what, that's the poison in coaches and parenting when it, when it becomes about the coach or the parent um, and ego gets involved in power. I feel like another thing I've seen is, you know, as a coach, you need to leave the ego behind because you, you may have a kid and there's something that you can't provide for them, but you know, someone else can, or maybe the kid knows that someone else can provide this piece that you can't. 
you know, a great coach um, who's all about helping this kid to, to reach their potential and, and finding that joy in the kid, you know, the joy of their success. They're not going to care that they have to ask, actually just go ask someone else, hey, I can't provide this. Do you have any ideas or could, could you do give us this information or work with this kid. And that's where you see a lot of that ego coming in is, is someone's not providing what the kid needs or they, that person just needs to ask questions and maybe get some input from other coaches, but they're not willing to do that. And, and the kid is, is hurt by that. So you've sat on both sides of that, of that aisle, right? I mean, you're, you, you've obviously been a coach, you've been an athlete, you've been on the receiving end of that coach athlete relationship but you're a parent too, and you're yeah. a parent to two pretty good athletes in their own right. And mm-hmm. I imagine that there were times uh, as your kids were growing up that you kind of wanted to come out of your seat when you saw stuff on the sidelines or, or when things weren't going well. What advice would you give to coaches and parents on navigating those difficult waters? Uh, I'd say I'd say those, those difficult waters won't come if, if you keep the kid in focus and not your own interest <laughs> you know uh-huh. it is their experience and everyone should all the adults around these kids should be see themselves as a team and any teammate i can bring in to to support this kid and and raise them up that's a positive thing but too often you do see you know this is my thing this is my thing you, you know don't tell me what to do or that and, and yes parents definitely should not be you know coming in and, and telling the kid to do things that the coach different things than what the, you know you, can, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen but right. but when there's a general feeling that we're a team and this is what you can do for the kid this is what i can do for the kid oh here's this other coach that provides this piece we can't provide um i've seen it happen beautifully when you have this situation where everyone these the adults are all just selfless and it is all about who can provide that piece for the kid and let's let them do it what do you think would help parents let go a little bit i think if you were to go through a positive coach alliance and we show all the research and um, and best practices from a lot of the top athletes and coaches from around the world, um, what we'll find is is the role that a parent plays in their child's youth, youth or high school or collegiate sports experience is the most counterintuitive. The other rules, the research, like okay, that makes sense if a coach is like that. It makes sense if the coach, if the athlete plays this role. But when you look at the research and then present that to parents, that's the role that's going to be most counterintuitive, because what that role is as parents, you know, it's not that. We're bad parents, but we get so caught up in into sports and the emotions of it. And really the end goal in everyone's mind is that my kid is happy. And so parents will say, well, if they have this sports success, that's where they'll be happy. And then so if they see anything getting in the way of their kid's sports success, uh, whether it's they think their kid's not working hard enough or they think the coach isn't skilled enough or um, they're getting not getting enough playing time, they start intervening and getting way too involved. And what that does is it takes the experience away from the kid and the kid will look at their parent and say, wow, this is really important to you. And, you know, have you, have you even asked me what I want out of this? Because you know what? I want friends. I want to be a part of a team. I, and I'm getting all that. And for some reason you're angry that I'm not playing more minutes than I'm playing and causing a big stink about that. But um, so really it's, it's sort of that what the parents end up doing when really their end goal is I want my kid to, 
be able to play and have success and then they'll be happy. Really what they're doing is they're taking the experience away from the kid. They're making it way more serious than the kid wants it to be. And, and if it's your thing, it can't be their thing. So if we're going to find success in sports, it really needs to come from us. It needs to come from the kid. The level of intensity needs to be driven by the kid, not the parent. So that ties into some interesting questions about the characteristics of a coach and sort of what those characteristics are and and and, the, and I'll take it one step further and talk about how coaches can develop those characteristics. I would imagine, and I might be wrong, correct me if I am, but I would guess that coaching is like teaching, teaching a subject. There's a certain element of you sort of either have a, pers- a personality for it or you don't. But there's also a side that, you know, if, if you're a good teacher, there are some lessons that can make you great. Uh, if you're an okay teacher, there are things you can do to make you, you make yourself better. What are some of these characteristics coaches need to be aware of and how do they get better? And how does a group like Positive Coaching Alliance help coaches sort of climb that ladder of, of improvement? Yeah. So, so, you know, that's why I love the Positive Coaching Alliance and I work for them. I actually heard about them and snuck into one of their workshops about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was blown away how, how, you know, everything you just asked, how they have nailed that down, not just through a ton of research, you know, developmental research, sports psychology research, but also through having so many athletes and coaches and sports psychologists that have reached such a, you know, a world-class level to validate that research. And really what it is, is we'll teach simple things and simple tools like keep your focus on helping kids to master a skill or master a sport versus where that is their focus. Every day it's, can I try to do something better today than I did tomorrow? How can we do that? How can we work on something to improve? So it's this process of constantly wanting to improve and getting those little, um, the joy of those little improvements and breakthroughs as you're training and competing rather than if you're not intentional about teaching that process and just focusing on mastering a little more each day, then it's going to go to scoreboard and overall performance. And so um, little things and tools you can teach coaches and parents is, you know, stop talking about, like, don't only talk about their school or their sports right after a competition. And it's either you're, you're angry that they didn't do well on the test or they didn't do well in the competition, or you're super happy that they did really well on the test or the competition, because that shows them that results are the only thing that matter. So, you know, a simple tool is praise them when you see them working really hard. Maybe, maybe you were the kid that had a 540 mile and then ran a 538 mile. And even though you're way behind everyone, <laughs> make sure the coaches are appreciating that and calling that out in front of the team. This kid improved. Look how much their work has benefited them. And we can all learn from that. Mm-hmm. So just to, to really focus on the process and the effort and um, the, the attitude, all of the things that will bring you to success, make sure you're praising those things along the way. So there's simple tools, tools like that um, that can really make a difference that can be taught. From my perspective, there's been a huge shift in youth sports and in high school sports. And I would, and you would probably know better than I, but I would peg it, it around over the last 10 to 15 years, there's been a huge shift. A lot of it is driven by pressure to get scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, I coach football and, you know, there's enormous pressure uh, that comes from everywhere, mm-hmm. right, to, yeah. to win scholarships. 
the interesting thing is the some of the people who track this, you know, the, the odds of any high school athlete, any sport, participating at the collegiate level, uh, one, two, or three, it's just like one in 13 people. Yeah. Depending on the sport, those numbers can be much worse. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to be a whole lot better. And then, of course, the thing that people don't understand is that the numbers of kids who get full ride scholarships at Division One schools is even smaller than that. Right. Um, and at Division Two schools, they're splitting scholarships, and it's very rare to get a full ride. In Division Three, they don't exist at all. You can get academic scholarships, so that's a different different issue. I wonder, sort of a different way of thinking about it, but one of the things I've been pondering is, as a coach, what do you tell the other twelve? You know, there are kids that you know are never going to get there. They're never going to win that scholarship at any level. What should coaches be doing to move those kids along, to to make their experience positive and productive for themselves, for the team, for their families? How do they do that? Yeah, well, we we know that that, that a sports experience is meaningful to kids when they were connected with their teammates and their coaches. It was a positive experience when they saw improvement for their work and they learned that great life lesson that you work hard, you'll see improvement. And so those are things that that can and still should happen. Uh, If you are that type of coach that say only plays the best ones or only pays attention to the best ones and it's all about that one scholarship kid, um, wow, I mean, should you even be in coaching? Because like you said, 12 out of 13 are not going to be the one that goes on. So, you know, if we're going to really make a difference in our lives as a coach, then it needs to be focusing on where, meet meet kids where they're at. And hopefully as a coach, you find joy in moving any one of those kids ahead and helping them to understand how valuable that is as well. That, you know, any kid, I I know when I, um, you know, like I said, I had five Olympians on my team when I was a freshman at, at Indiana, but I have to say, I, I think the first time I qualified for the NCAA championships, I'm pretty sure I felt the same exact joy that someone, one of my teammates might've felt getting a silver medal in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because that was so valued. I was taught to value that improvement and that doing the best I could with what I had to improve. And, and I see that with kids all the time. You know, it's, if the right things are focused on, then those kids will be taught, yeah, like you should feel really proud about that, you know, rather than you have the wrong kind of coach and they don't feel proud if they didn't go on and get a scholarship. And that's, boy, that's, that's a disservice we're doing to kids if that's what we're teaching. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the Positive Coaching Alliance approach. If people bring in PCA to their schools or their organizations to work with them, what can they expect? So what you could expect is, so there's four different groups we feel play a part in that high school experience and helping kids to reach their potential as athletes and as human beings, but we're not, we're not leaving out. Like we are a competitive group. We want people to reach their potential. So what we have is we have all of this research and best practices and just hundreds of the top athletes and coaches from around the world. And we have, taken their advice and their and and they validated the the research for us and we basically boiled all of that information down to working with the parents the athletes and the coaches all separately in three different types of workshops and in those workshops they're going to get all of that research they're going to get all of those tools and best practices on how if we all play our part this is how we create a development zone 
where everyone here is going to reach their potential as an athlete. And also, along the way, we're going to get a lot of life and, and character taught through this experience. So not only are we, we set to, to see what we can do as athletes, but when we go out into the world, there was some intention on making sure that our coaches and parents and the athletes for each other have have nurtured and grown the skills and character that are going to let you those 12 kids who don't get the you know the college deal to go on and find great success in anything they do okay and how would people reach out to pca what's the best way for people to contact you folks and yeah. learn about how to engage you yeah so our website is positivecoach.org you can go there and there's all sorts of great resources and um, you know the, our contact information is on the website. We have different regions around the country with trainers across the country where we will go in and work with club sports, school sports, individual teams, uh, districts. You know we do a lot of full district trainings where we are a mandatory training. It is a certification. It counts as a certification. It also goes to continuing ed credit or character development credit um so um yeah we can just go to our website positivecoach.org okay. um so a final question i would ask you so you snuck into a pca meeting about eight years ago <laughs> and and uh now you're you're formally affiliated with a group you're tied to them um uh, could you tell me a little bit about the awards that you give out? I believe it's, is it a double gold coach? Am I getting that right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So every year we take nominations and it's open right now. So if you go to positivecoach.org and then click on awards and then double gold coach nominations, right now it's open where any organization can nominate one of their coaches for a double gold coach award. So really what, what we're trying to do here is coaches are awarded all the time for performance. But we're trying to we're trying to really show that we we value and we want to recognize the coaches that they're not in the paper or whatever online with all their great results all the time, but they are making a difference in many, many kids' lives. And we want to recognize and value and celebrate those coaches, um, those, you know, those meaningful mentors, those life coaches through sport the ones who see sports or they're coaching their sport as a sort of a Trojan horse to teach character mm -hmm. and life lessons and just love on kids. So mm -hmm. we want organizations, it could be a parent, it could be an athlete, it could be, you know, a co uh, you know, a fellow coach. And if you just go to, yeah, positivecoach.org, click on awards and then go to double goal coach awards, nominate those coaches, please. And what we do is we actually have our, our grand prize is $10,000 where 7,500 goes to the program where they coach, the school or the club, and, mm -hmm. um, and then 2,500 to that coach. And then we will have several $500 awards for some finalists. So do, we do like to recognize and highlight those coaches across the country. So, so yeah, we'd love for people to nominate their favorite coach. The last question I have for you is one of the double gold finalists, uh, I think from last year, is a coach uh, just outside of Boulder called Maurice Henriquez. Is that yes. right? Yeah. And I believe your, I think your daughter worked with him. Yeah. I'm wondering as a parent, if you can just kind of explain what it was like as a parent to work with a, a coach who is one of these double goal coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the background of that is that my husband and I are both coaches. We're both track coaches. You know, he's a pole vault coach. We both have clubs with kids that we train. 
so really we could train our own kids and, and, and he does with the pole vault because that's so specific. But, you know, my daughter really noticed uh, the kids in this club with, with coach Mo is what we call him. And uh, the, the, she really was drawn to the culture and the, the team atmosphere. And then the way the coaches interact with kids and the coaches interacted with her as one of their competitors early on, he was always so supportive of her even though she was always competing against his athletes. So when it came to the training outside of the high school season, you know, she really asked, can I train with coach Mo? And I was, I was thrilled because I saw that that's what she really valued. And, you know, there's some people that, that, that come along that, that I've always said, I don't care if that person coaches knitting, I'm putting my kid with them because I want them to influence my kid. And, uh, and, I feel like as a parent, that's something my husband and I have always tried to recognize and identify those people and try to put our kids around them as much as we could. And, you know, Coach Mo and the other coaches with Real Training, and that's what their club is called, Real Training, just the, the team culture and atmosphere was something that was so important to her. And I think she even wrote one of her college essays on that team culture uh, mm-hmm. into the University of Michigan. And then when she was being recruited by schools, uh, she was looking for something like that. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was just great. Wow. Well, um, you know, of course, you introduced me to Coach Mo, and, and uh, he's one of the people who's going to be profiled in my forthcoming book. And great. I'll tease it just by saying we had a great interview. I think people will enjoy reading more about him and, and real training, but also just the kind of person he is. He has a pretty powerful story in his own right. Um, he really does. He, he definitely has an intentional purpose on what he wants to do with these kids and he, he builds up kids and, you know, he's a great guy. Well, listen, Amy, thanks so much for your time today. And, uh, I, uh, I wish you uh, a successful track season coming up and I wish, uh, both of your kids very successful seasons at school. Great. Thanks so much, Marty. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.